In the fall of 2016, the Jacques Marche Museum of Tibetan Art organized a trip to India and Dharamsala. The itinerary included stops in Mumbai, Agra, Delhi, Varanasi, and Dharamsala, which is located in the upper reaches of the Kangra Valley. It is the second winter capital of the Indian state of Himachal Pradesh, and also the headquarters for the Tibetan government in exile. Welcome to the first part of our podcast about this exotic trip. I'm Rudy Basich, an advisor here at the Jacques Barchet, and today I'll ask questions of board member Peg Harrington, who'd organized this tour, about her experience. But before we find out what colorful memories she has to reveal, I'd asked her, what makes a Jacques Marchais tour so unique? The trip is really open to anyone who has an interest in seeing an Asian country. I've traveled in Asia before, so I've been able, when we set up the trip, do pre-arrangements that reflect the interest of the people who are going on the trip and whatever needs they have ahead of time. We don't take more than 14 people because that's a group of people who can relate to each other and be comfortable, and it's not always pushing a big bus. We're usually in a smaller bus or facility, and it's easy to accommodate them at a variety of hotels and or in the activities of getting on and off a camel, riding uh, you know, an elephant, which is what we did in part of the days in India. The people who come have an orientation with us in the museum, and I generally send out things for them to read in the time between when they book and when they come, so they get a feel for the place that we're going to. We're actually going to visit an Asian country, which happens to have Buddhism as a major religion because of the nature of our own museum, and or an impact from Tibet, again, because of the nature of our own museum. We are the Jacques Marche Museum of Tibetan Art, but we have many religious icons. We have regular folk clothing and jewelry and things that were handled by real people in the 18 and 1900s so that you get a feel and a taste for it before you go away. And we have found that most of our travelers want to return and travel again. So that means something about their enjoyment of the trip and the different activities while we're there. So it's a little cozier. Oh, definitely cozier and very much arranged to accommodate our travelers, whether someone has a food allergy or they can't get on and off a big bus. We've come up with solutions to that, that we've worked in every country that we visited in to make it more comfortable for our travelers. The first destination was Mumbai. When you get off the plane, they give you the traditional... Tell us. Mumbai was formerly known as Bombay, and it's the entry point to India if you're coming from the West. And so we flew Emirates to Dubai, Dubai and then Dubai to Bombay. Bombay is a huge city of 17 million people. And you see those people on the street, but it's still easy enough to get around. We stayed in a lovely European four-star hotel. We were out most of the time because there's so much going on in Mumbai. Uh, we did travel down to the Ring of Pearls, which is the harbor. And you think of the harbor as just a place where there's water and boats come in and out. But in the harbor of uh, Mumbai are 17 islands. 
and they all hold some part of the shipping business. So those have been there since the British were there in the early 1900s. So when a ship comes in, it doesn't necessarily come in directly to Mumbai, but it stops at one of the 17 islands. So we're out on a ship looking at the islands and seeing what they're doing and experiencing something we didn't know about before we were there. And as you come back from the little trip in the water, you're facing the Taj Museum, uh, the Taj Hotel, which is known, unfortunately, in modern times because it was one of the places bombed in India, but it's totally restored. A beautiful old building going back to the Raj, and then a big modern five-star hotel. And they overlook the Ring of Pearls and the gateway to India, which is in front of it. So you could walk with the people. You can see people, families are out bringing their children to see what's going on. Very colorful. They look at us. They want to know where we're from. People were extremely friendly. So we have pictures of ourselves, obviously. But we also have pictures with uh, Indians who were speaking with us about what, why we were there and what we wanted to see. So it was really very exciting and very easy. So for my group, this is their first time in India. For them, it released a lot of tension because they felt safe on the street. They were comfortable with each other and wandering around looking and taking pictures. And they were welcomed by the Native people to the process. We then went by boat to a small town on the other side of the harbor where you can walk up to this special monument, or if you're concerned about walking up, you can get a chair where they carry you up the stairs to the monument. So we're waiting at the top of the stairs to go into this monument, and the monkeys surround us. All of a sudden, there are 50 monkeys running around outside of the temple that we're going to go in. And everybody stops, of course, and takes pictures of the monkeys. And the monkey lying down, the monkey with a baby bottle, <laughs> mommy and the monkey, you know, daddy looking and, you know, giving us all a difficult eye because we shouldn't hurt anything. And everybody was taking different pictures. And we're having a lot of fun. I mean, it was an unexpected event. And that's what happens throughout. So now you have monkeys you're dealing with. Yeah. But I understand you also went to uh, elephant caves uh, in Mumbai. Yes. And that's the name of the temple where we went. We went into the Elephanta Caves because it was a mountain that you got to, you had climbed up from the bottom from sea level up to this place. Mm -hmm. And when it had been created, the native people dug into the mountain, leaving the mountain there as the top of the temple, and building in the caves this gorgeous set of places to worship in a Hindu environment with Hindu statues that were carved right out of the, the side of the mountain. So we have Shiva, and we have his wife, and we have his father, and we have the wars that he fought, all rock hewn out of the mountain that we were now inside of. And so you walk around and you see where people are praying or where this fantastic artwork of discovery is about the various statues of Indian or Hindu belief. And then you go around and you see where the water comes down and where there's blessings. And we took pictures. You could look on the side from one place into another place. So you had these gorgeous views of the inside of a mountain that was carved out to be a temple. And it was just fantastic. And again, 
pictures, pictures, pictures. And then there was a, a guru there in his very different clothing. And he was praying with us and taking pictures with us. It was also, and this is what I love about modern India, it was also filled with citizens of India, with natives of the country who had come to show their children this special place, that people traveled as a family, grandma, grandpa, mommy and daddy, and the little kids, to see these things that we travel from around the world to see. When I was first in India in 2005, there were no natives in any of these places, all foreign visitors. So judging from your last visit, you've seen a lot of progress in India. Oh, absolutely. In 1975, I went to India when everybody was afraid to go to India, even though some people are still afraid today. And we saw some travelers. But when we went to the same spaces that we would go on this trip, there were very, very few native people looking at the historic ruins because there was no time and there was no money. People were working. They were farther away from a site. There wasn't public transportation. We had the luxury of a bus as we traveled in 1975. But I can see the difference and feel it and smell it from 75 to when I was there in 2005 was major change. And then now we went in 2016 and it's further developed. The economic development is obvious, both in the clothing of the people, in the jobs, in the modernization, in the tech community. Every kid is in a school uniform going to school. In 1975, they didn't go to school. By 2005, they were going to school and beginning to travel with family. But in 2016, it was extremely obvious, waiting for the school bus with mommy on the corner, you know, rushing to make sure they didn't miss the school bus to Sounds go to school. <laughs> and, and you really could appreciate it. And the different color of the uniforms told you what kind of school that they were going to. Okay, so with your new impressions of Mumbai and the soft introduction of your first timers to India, from here the group was driven to Udaipur. Udaipur is the opening spot that you could get to that takes you to the old Raj era. Both Udaipur and Jaipur have any number of hotels and places that have been protected since the time of the Raj that make absolutely beautiful museums and places to visit. So in Udaipur, we visited the city palace. You come in and it's very open, so there's a lot of light and air because India is obviously hot. And so they have built these buildings so that the air comes through and and they create spaces that you can't believe. So on the top of this five-story palace that we've gone through and we've seen the houses and the beautiful architecture and the curved tile around the windows, all of the things that were left from the previous Raja, it's just beautiful and, and you get very involved in the beauty of the individual object, a painting, a photograph, a, a piece of tile made into a picture of some historical moment, as well as paintings of the old wars, the old the warriors and on the battle with a thousand people, you know, running around. It was really quite interesting. But when you got to the top, you go up into what you think is going to be a roof. It's open roofed. Height of the walls are higher than the other walls because they encompass windows that let the air through. And in the center, there's basically a swimming pool. Oh. And it goes back about 200 years. And a swimming it, pool or a reflecting pool? It was ancient, 
but it could be used other times as a reflecting pool, yeah. certainly with the water. It and cools this is the inside. Air. Yes, it's on the fifth floor, so it's inside, but there is no roof over it. It's a garden. It's a, a, oh, a roof-type beautiful. garden yeah. with the pool in the center, and it's such a surprise mm. because you've gone through this palace, and you're looking at beautiful things from 200 to 300 years ago, but it is so modern, both in its look and its feel, that it's just a surprise. And this is pre-Victorian, yep. British and all that. Pre-Victorian, yeah. British in the Raj period. So the knowledge, and that's the other thing in, in any country like India, you see architectural items, buildings, touches that are modern once again. They were old and they are not always protected. They're now being restored and protected, but they reflect new views about how one builds a building or how makes it cool or how makes it comfortable for the people in mm. it. So that is just very interesting. And you don't think that you're going to see that kind of thing, but it's there to be seen. Yes. And it's lovely. And the Jagdish temple? We went to a old Hindu temple that is still very much open and in practice. And uh, it's all made out of white marble. It is an open space. So when we go in... We see the holy man who is in his traditional garb of basically uh, of a sadhu, of a short pants and a white top, and he has the big orange mark on his forehead. Mm. He is the person at the entrance who lets us go in. Mm. We go in and we observe a ceremony in progress of the offering to the gods, and then we go downstairs and there's a Hindu priest who will lead us in a service of meditation and contemplation. So he sits down yoga style. Next to him, our guide, Lalit, kneels down as well. Lalit is a priest as well half the year. Half the year he's a tourist, and half the year he is in a, a, a different sect than the, the priest who was going to do the prayers. But they sat down and they led us in a series of chanting, and then the, using the yoga pose, a series of breathing, and then meditation space. It was very moving and very personal because it was just a quiet space and you could take into yourself whatever you needed or wanted at right. the time. And uh, we were very pleased to have had that experience. And then we went off to Jaipur. Jaipur is the pink city because the old walls and the walls of the old buildings are all pink. Hmm. So when you're first in there and you're in the outskirts and there are no pink buildings, you're saying, Maya and Jaipur, where are the pink buildings? And then as you get into the center of the old town, you're surrounded with pink buildings Your with white markers. right around the corner. Right. Yeah. It's like a garden town. Everybody's selling on the streets. There really aren't stores. I understand it was a camel safari? Yes. What happened? So you actually rode a camel. Yeah. That's so interesting. At the, at <laughs> it's the not end, something you do every day. We went to our hotel, and our hotel was not a modern hotel. It was a, a hotel that goes back about 150 years mm -hmm. to the time of the Raj. So it is built architecturally like these open spaces and these windows and whatever. And we stayed in absolutely lovely, but of the time. So the couch was red velvet. There were curtains in the doorways, which were lovely and flowing in the breeze, and probably it's a form of red. And then everything else 
modern. I mean, you know, bathroom, kitchen, lighting, etc. But the accoutrements of the room were such that you felt when you were in a Maharaja's palace. Mm. It was great fun. And then we went out to a, a camel trek. You could either get on your own camel and ride, or you could go into this taxi camel. It was a camel pulling a low bed like you've probably seen in the movies of the ladies riding behind the camel. And oh, and, and you covered, sit on the bed. And, and you can and sit on the bed a, and it can be covered or not. So some of us rode camels and some of us rode in the bed. Yeah. They kneel down so you can get on and somebody helps you up. Then they get up and they really control the ride. You don't, <laughs> except if you're in the in the hopefully there's a taxi camel, right? right? Yeah, but everybody went and everybody had fun. Uh, was that also where the, uh, there was a royal observatory? Oh, I I had forgotten that that was in Jaipur, and I had seen that in '75, in 2005, and now because it was built in the late 1800s by an astronomer who built a buildings that are made in concrete and they have a pale yellow coloring and they allow you to see the latitude and longitude. They allow you to see certain stars at night, you know, see certain stars during the day. They tell you where it goes and you can see where this place in this world is by latitude and longitude. But a, I assume that it was a modern or was it actually no, built? it was the... 1800 building really because it was so accurate they say that the only place as accurate as this one is the one in Greenwich England wow so those two are the two most accurate in the world in terms of their building and their mm. lineup so it's easily a block long block wide and you go in and you go from one instrument or an artifact that's been built to be reflective of the particular times. So there's one for every aspect of the horoscope, the 12 months, as well as where the sun comes through directly on a line, somewhat like Stonehenge, at a certain time of right. year to celebrate. Like uh, a huge sundial. Yes, yeah. yes. It was very interesting because you spent a lot of time going from one to the other and comparing what you were seeing and why it was there. Again, it was a place filled with kids with their parents. Mm -hmm learning about science, as we learned about science. Much of our science is based in old practices, mm -hmm. and we just have to learn to not just accept the current science, but find out where, it's, where it started. And this gentleman, whose name escapes me, uh, who was the astronomer who set this up, is renowned in India, and his work was actually used in the creation in Greenwich, England. So at this point on the tour, the group leaves Jaipur and heads towards a city that holds what is considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Tune in next month as we continue our talk with Peg about the 2016 Jacques Marche tour of India and Dharamsala as they explore Agra and Varanasi. For now, from the Jacques Marche Museum of Tibetan Art on Lighthouse Hill, overlooking historic Richmond Town on Staten Island, I'm Rudy Basich. Tashi Delek. Thank you.